know there's only three more Sundays after this, and it's Easter Sunday? Comes early this year. We have a revival that will be going on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of Holy Week with communion on that Thursday night. It's going to be a great time. And I invite you to plan on being here and invite others too. Let us take the week and let's truly make it holy. Amen. Abraham Lincoln once used a very clever ploy to teach someone about truth. People would come to him with a decision that was based on supposition rather than on truth. After hearing their logic, Lincoln would ask them, how many legs would a sheep have if you called its tail a leg? To which they usually would quickly answer, five. The president then said, no, it would only have four legs. Calling a tail a leg doesn't make it one. That's true. And the doctrine of salvation has been given many tales by those who think they are creating new legs. And it is not. It's still a tale. In truth, salvation has but one leg, and that is a large wooden beam upon which the Savior of the world was slain, we call it a cross. Call the truth what you wish, but the fact remains, there is salvation in no one else, no other name by which man might be saved than Jesus Christ. There are no multiple roads, unless they all dovetail into one narrow lane that leads directly through Jesus Christ and that cross. We've been studying on Christ's statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John 18, Jesus makes a statement to Pilate. He said, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate responds with the question, what is truth? You see, subjective truth is about putting the proper explanation to a lie. What we call in this day and time putting the right spin on it. Friends, there is no spin to truth. Truth is truth. There's no substitute for it. Reality is reality. We have somewhat of a shadowed uh, opinion of truth. We have been uh, very good at giving it different depths and looks and angles and properties. But in reality, there is only one truth. And it is not the English word T-R-U-T-H. Rather, it is spelled out in J-E-S-U-S according to the B-I-B-L-E. Amen. And that's not just a religious observance, friends. It's a fact. 
you want to know the truth, if you want to truly examine something in truth, examine it through Christ. Examine it through the Bible. And then everything will sort itself out from there. If you are having issues in your own life and you don't know what the truth is to, to work from, then examine it through Christ, examine it through the Bible. Because that Bible is all about God, it's all about Jesus Christ, it's all about His Holy Spirit, as we're learning in Sunday school now. And they all represent God. God is creator of this world. God alone is the authority to establish what is real and what is not. What is true and what is not. What is right, what is not. Everything we have, if we would just clear all the clutter out of it, everything we have an opinion on as to whether it is right or not, in reality, the right of it has already been established by God long, long, long time before you and I got here. And Jesus came to literally embody that, to demonstrate it in the flesh. If you have a hard time uh, coming to terms with Christ as God and as man, understand it like this. Christ was the godly manifestation in the flesh of what is real. He was the demonstration. He was the living, the actions of who God really is and what is right, how to treat each other, how to speak to each other, how to love God, how to be in relationship with God, how to be in relationship with each other. The truth that Christ spoke of meant literally accuracy in its Greek form it means accuracy sincerity integrity and most importantly agreement with fact we look at truth as just a simple five-letter word but in reality it is not about language or wording it is indeed a multiplex arrangement of what is real and that real that truth must be sincere it must have integrity and again it must be accurate to be the truth you can't shade the truth it takes away the accuracy of it how many of you have ever been baking a cake and you didn't have any sugar see well I'll substitute it with some salt how did that work for you Yes, I saw, I saw a thing the other day. They were they did these um, they did these uh, surveys on the street type thing where they go out and ask people about their experiences in voting in uh, in the uh, primary elections, and they went out to these people in in uh, a state and they started talking to them. Said, "Did you vote today?" Uh, "Oh yeah, I voted." Well, how you know how were the the voting places, did, were there long lines and people gave all this description? What about the new machines? Do you like the new machine? Oh, they, you know, they gave description of the machine, any problem they had with the machine, you know, any lines, any controversies of all that. And the whole time they were in a state that did not have a primary election that day.
Truth has to agree with the facts, folks. Now, it makes me wonder where some of those people voted. <laughs> but nevertheless, we are sometimes very good about creating scenarios in our own minds, hearts, and lives that somehow or another bring us into agreement with what we put on the spot we perceive should be. And I think most people were reacting to the fact that they got caught and they thought I've missed it and so they don't want to look different than everyone else and they're trying to save face. Truth is not about saving face. Go with the face you have. Amen. Okay. But more importantly, truth is agreement with fact. And that's really what Pilate was referring to. The truth brought to us by Christ is not simply something to be known. It is something to be done. The truth Christ brought to us requires action in order for it to be attained. In John 8, 31, 32, we are reminded to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth is the knowledge and the experience of true reality as opposed to false reality. And there again, you go back to people, they're, they're, they are pulling up details. That was the interesting part of it. It wasn't just yes and, oh, I don't remember, or trying to dodge around it. I mean, they were giving details. Some of them were giving detailed problems they had with the machine. And some of them were talking about what one, one or another person was talking about there at the, at the polling place. They could not have been to or should not have been to if they went over and voted in another state. We're good at that. Truth is the knowledge and the experience, not just knowledge. Truth is diametrically opposed to sham and hypocrisy. As I've shared with you before, the time of Christ's ministry was a rough one. The laws that God had given had been humanized and had become so, so mixed up to the point that they were barely recognizable and mostly used for someone by those who could just manipulate them and use them for their own gain for the most part and just to somehow or another perceive that they had power over other people. Our dilemma is this. Just as when Jesus walked the earth, we live in a world that is full of sickness. It is full of desperate needs. Many are hungry, homeless, dressed in rags, diseased, physically and emotionally ill. War and conflict are the normal for many. Added to that are millions who are lonely, empty, unfulfilled. They feel they have no significant purpose in life. They neither love nor enjoy life. And just like the people of Christ's time, just like Pilate, they have lost all hope of ever knowing the truth of life. And those are the days we live in for many, many, many people. And just sit around and looking at the overall circumstances based on our experience is not the truth. 
It's subjective. It's like adding a tail and calling it a leg. We need to come to the reality of things. Grace, love, forgiveness, joy, fulfillment. They are life concepts that are lost to many who are indeed lost and without hope. But they should be reality for us. And as reality, we then have substance to share with them that they might also know the truth. But it comes from our experience, not just our knowledge. And a part of what we have as weaknesses from within the church and the Christian body is that we are imparting our knowledge. We've long ago lost it as an experience. Faith is a knowledge thing. We can share scripture from the Bible. We can share content from the Bible. We can share share doctrinal idealisms. Uh, We can share philosophical religious idealisms to people. Friends, if it doesn't come down to what we are living and experiencing on a daily basis, we have nothing to give. For it is a sham, it is hypocrisy, and it is a lie. We need to be livers, doers, experiencing the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us, Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. That's truth. That's a scripture we need to put back into our heads that we can share with people to let them know all is not hopeless. And then we read in John 20.21 that among the very first words Christ spoke after his resurrection was peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. We live in a world that needs to know and see sustainable, unimpeachable, reliable truth. Something that is trustworthy. Something that does what it says it will do. Something that works the way we say it will work. And we as Christians have that truth. We as Christians must share it. We must reflect it to those who are lost in order to maintain an effective relationship with Christ and pass that relationship on. And today, we're here to celebrate reality. We're going to close our service today by celebrating real truth, real facts real forgiveness, the real body of Christ, the blood that Christ shed for you, his life, his body that was broken for you. These are not just idealisms. What sets before us is the bread, which is symbolic of the real flesh. For Christ really died. He really came. He was born. He was the Son of God. He preached. These words in this book are real facts. And they work. 
juice in this cup is symbolic of the real blood. This isn't just an idealism. This isn't folklore. This isn't just symbolism. Yes, what we have today are the sacramental symbols, but they're symbols of what really happened and what really took place. And friends, there is real sin in this world. And it really will get you if you let it. And we really do need God's forgiveness. And we really do need salvation. And we really have a Savior who really did give himself and his life as an example and a sacrifice for you and for me. And we really can rejoice today. We really can smile. We really can partake of his body because he really did say we could. That's truth. And so we can really be joyful. And it's not a joy that's just a, a momentary emotion that leaves you when you head out the door. When you leave this building today, this sanctuary, the real truth of it comes into play. Because God really does love you. He really did send his son. His spirit really is within you. And he really goes before you. And really does make a way where there seems no way. And that's what we celebrate today. For God so loved the world that he gave us the visible truth in the form of his son.